Welcome to True Paranormal, the podcast with your host, Leo Rizzuti. Every week we will explore such topics as ghosts, demons, poltergeists, haunted history, time shifts, cryptozoology, and other aspects of the paranormal through listener-submitted accounts, documentary studies, and interviews with the investigators that dedicate their lives to searching for proof of the unknown. So get a fresh cup of coffee, dim the lights, relax, and get ready for a short visit to the realm of the true paranormal. Hey guys, Leo Rizzuti here. Welcome to another episode of True Paranormal, the podcast. I would like to thank all you guys for joining us during our live question and answer session that we did this past week on Facebook. It was a lot of fun for me and we had a few hundred people who stopped by and uh, checked it out. So we were glad to get that kind of response and hopefully we answered a lot of the questions that you guys had in mind so uh and we're going to keep doing things like that every once in a while we're not going to make too much of a habit of it but every once in a while we're going to try to do something like that since we did have a good response from it and if you guys would have suggestions for things we could do on our live feeds then just shoot us a message or shoot us a comment on one of our posts and we'd be glad to take that into account also i would be remiss if i did not wish a happy father's day to all the dads out there. As a father myself, I think it's a great blessing to have children and be able to pass weirdness onto them, which is basically what a father does most of the time. I know that uh, I would not be anywhere if it were not for uh, the dads out there in my life, both my physical dad and the father figures that surrounded me whenever I was growing up. So thank you and love you to all the dads out there. You guys are absolutely awesome. Well, we have a lot of uh, listener stories this week, and we're going to get to a few of them. So let's go ahead and jump right in. Okay, our first story of the evening comes to us from Italy, and it is sent to us by Eugenia and Falcone, and they have titled it Our Family Ghost Stories. Okay, guys, let's see what you sent to us. These are some real ghost stories from us and our family. These are all real and unaltered and happened to us while we were living in Italy. I was at my grandmother's house. My sister was out and so was my mom. My grandmother was sleeping. I was in about fifth grade at the time. You see, a few years before, my other grandmother had passed away. I was reading on the couch in the living room when it suddenly started to rain. I noticed that the window over my backyard was open and rain was gushing in, so I headed over to close it. Suddenly, outside of the window, I saw a completely transparent, pale old lady waving at me. We stood there staring at each other for a few seconds when I suddenly came to my senses and shut the window. Later, thinking back, I connected the spirit to my dead grandmother. I am sure it was her, and if I had known it before, I wouldn't have run away like that. Before she died, our grandmother lived for a long period of her life in this big house in Cerreto, Tuscany, Italy. This house was her husband's family house and was very old. Generations after generations of our family lived there. That was not all. In the village, it was said that many years before, during the Renaissance, 
Our ancestor, Isabella de' Medici, was married to her husband, who also had a lover. He didn't pay attention to his wife, and she ended up falling in love with her husband's friend. They started having an affair when her husband found out. He tricked Isabella by making her believe that he wanted to make love to her. They were in her room, and with the excuse of hugging her, he put a rope around her neck. He then yelled out to his friend who was waiting in the room upstairs, which, by the way, was her lover, to pull the rope. Isabella was strangled by her lover, who had no idea that he was killing her, because her husband told him that he simply wanted to play a joke. From that day on, the village people believed Isabella's ghost was still in the house, and that it was because her body was never found or buried. My grandmother and her family knew that the ghost was there, because my grandmother used to tell us all these kind of stories about Isabella's ghost. She told us that during the night, they would hear laughing in the dark corridors, and that the ghost had fun by turning the lights on and off, and other kinds of things. The only person that didn't believe the ghost was there was our father's nurse. She changed her mind one night when she went into the small private church in the house, and while she was praying, she saw this pale female figure, which she recognized as Isabella de Medici. The ghost was approaching her with her hand forward and whispering, Help me, please. Find my body. Free me. Bury me. The nurse ran out screaming and told the story to our grandmother. Our grandmother wasn't surprised, having witnessed the ghost before. Our grandmother always said that Isabella did that appearance in front of the nurse simply to make her believe that she really existed. The ghost didn't like being ignored. After some years, our family lost a lot of money and the house was sold to the community and was turned into a museum. The rope used to strangle Isabella was still attached to the ceiling until recently. Our dad and us went back to visit the museum and our dad claimed that Isabella probably left the house after the family did because it was turned into a museum and the ghost lost her peace. Once, when I was little, our parents were going out for dinner. I don't know why, but I started crying and begging them not to go. It was really weird, since I was never fussy when they had to go out. I was in my parents' bed beneath the sheets, and they were trying to make me stop crying, and when they saw that being nice didn't work, my dad simply threatened me not to give me my babysitter's french fries for dinner if I didn't stop. I said I didn't care, and... It was really unusual because I would do anything for french fries since it was my favorite food. My brother was in the other room with the babysitter and in the end my parents left giving up trying to console me. While they were leaving the room and I was screaming, I suddenly felt something cold grab onto my foot. I suddenly stopped crying and kicked and the thing let go of me. I tossed the covers away and examined the bed on top and underneath. I found nothing. I didn't cry again that whole night. I wasn't scared, I was only disconcerned. But after some years, and after learning my family's ghost stories, I didn't really get bothered a lot about it. I even started thinking that maybe it was a supernatural way of simply making me stop crying. And if that was the intention, it worked.
wow, guys, Eugenia, Falcone, those were awesome stories. And it always is impressive to me about the history of the older houses in Europe, those places where you've got hundreds and hundreds of years of history. In America here, we're used to an old house being a couple of hundred years old at most. And there you're talking about Renaissance figures, which is going back five and almost 600 years in some cases, which is incredible. If you think about the history within those walls and depending on how you think hauntings occur, whether it's spirits or whether it is etchings in the space-time continuum or whatever, there has got to be a lot of activity packed into those kinds of places. The very fact that you have the folklore surrounding Isabella and her death simply speaks to the the fact that in Europe, a lot of times, these hauntings are not considered spooky or spectacular. They are simply what they are, and they're part of the fabric of life there, and they're part of the atmosphere. And almost every house that you run into has a home ghost or a spirit attached to it. It is undoubtedly a different kind of situation than what we hear in the United States are used to and it would be fascinating to go over there and do some investigations just to see the difference in the haunting activity at any rate guys thank you very much for sharing your stories that was awesome our next story of the evening comes to us from hilda and she has titled it under the bed okay hilda let's see what you have for us with under the bed After immigrating to Canada from Germany, I rented a room. I forgot the address, but it was in the vicinity of St. Clair and Kiel, and a bit east from there. After living for a very short time in this room, I came home one night, really tired. Just as I went to bed, the moment I turned off the light, I heard all the books and magazines that were on top of a small bookshelf falling over and sliding down onto the floor. The sound could not have been mistaken for anything else. Lying in bed in the darkness, the following thoughts went through my mind. Should I get up to pick up everything and straighten out the bookshelf now, or should I do it in the morning before going to work? As tired as I was, I decided to do it now, because in the mornings I was always in a hurry to get out, to be at work on time. As I turned on the light and looked at the bookshelf, I could hardly believe my eyes. There was not one book or magazine out of place. I pondered what I could have heard. Finally, I put it down to any strange noise that I simply misinterpreted. Wanting to go to sleep, I turned off the light again. All of a sudden, there was a noise as if someone had jumped from the window down right in front of my bed. My heart almost stopped. I knew the window was locked. I jumped, pulled the chain on the light which was mounted on the wall above the headboard. Again, everything appeared normal. My heart was still racing. I lied there for a while before I turned the light off again. Then I heard the scariest sound of all. It sounded as if someone had shuffled from under my bed from one side the other. I was lying there frozen, afraid to move and afraid to breathe, my heart almost jumping out of my throat. I realized that I had to take a breath. 
As I did, I jumped, pulled the chain on the light. Again, no more noise. Now I wondered if there was really something under my bed. It took a while to build up my courage to get out of my bed and check underneath. There was nothing. I decided to check every corner of my room, the closet, the shelves, everything. After establishing the fact that there was absolutely no physical signs of any kind which I could connect with the sounds, I became very curious. I went to bed that night with the lights on. For the next few days, I started experimenting. I was determined to find out what this was all about. I found out that whenever the light was off and the room was in darkness, the sounds would appear. With the lights on, there was silence. I felt that I wanted to talk with someone about these occurrences, but being afraid that they might think I had gone crazy, I just kept quiet. I hung in for two more weeks when I noticed that I was continually having a very uneasy feeling. Finally, I talked with one of my co-workers about it. I asked her, please don't laugh or tell me that I'm crazy for what I'm about to tell you. She promised and kept her promise, but she was extremely shocked as she listened. She said that something very bad must have happened in that room and that some of those spirits could be very dangerous. I didn't really want to believe it, but she made me promise that I would do what she suggested to find out if they were dangerous spirits or not. She went to her church in her lunch hour to get a small bottle of holy water, instructing me to sprinkle the holy water into the three areas where the noises came from and then turn the lights off and go to bed. She said that if there was silence when it was dark, that that was proof that the spirits were evil and were fleeing from the holy water and if it happened, I should move out of that room as fast as possible. This is exactly what happened, and that is exactly what I did. Whoa, Hilda, that's a very creepy story. Uh, I'm not 100% certain about the trial and error that your friend's advice gave you, but hey, if it got you out of a situation that you were not comfortable with, uh, it definitely was worthwhile. I'm not 100% certain that what you had going on there was evil spirits, but at any rate, whatever the test was, it seemed like it worked out for you, and you did get out of a situation that was probably not going to be the best one for you. At any rate, I do appreciate you sending your stories to us. That was absolutely amazing. Our next story comes to us from Taylor, and Taylor has titled it, apparition okay taylor let's get into your story for as long as i can remember i have always experienced strange occurrences that surrounded my mother and grandmother's home my first experience happened when i was about 13 or 14 years old while waking up from sleep one night i turned to look at my bedroom doorway and saw an extremely tall man standing there staring at me he was thin, with very long black hair that seemed to reach his lower back. His face, which was also very pale, had a look of sadness. Now, for some reason, I wasn't scared at this sight, but upon waking, I couldn't control the tremors my body felt as I realized what I had just seen during the night. After that incident, I could no longer enter my own bedroom 
without feeling such negative energy. It often felt as though someone was choking me and other times that I had a ball in my throat from feeling so sad. As soon as I would enter the room, I would immediately start bawling for no apparent reason, and even if I didn't want to, I still would. I had no control over the tears that rolled down my cheeks. For about a week this went on, until my grandmother called in someone to bless the whole house with more of a concentration within my room. This stopped the fear of entering my bedroom and the uncontrollable crying, but it never really felt the same afterwards, hence my decision to make a bedroom for myself downstairs in the basement. After moving downstairs, there seemed to be more occurrences, but none that had instilled as much fear as the incident mentioned above. One incident involves a week full of strange dreams and happenings prior to a family tragedy. It all started with a dream that I had where I was standing on a cliff with my little nephew and his parents. My nephew fell over this cliff and while everyone was screaming and crying, they were unable to help as they seemed to be frozen. I in this dream jumped over the edge and was able to grab a hold of my nephew midair. While crashing to the ground, I broke both of my legs but was still able to keep my little nephew safe. Now. This is where it starts to get strange. Both my nephew, who happened to be spending the night, and I woke up at the very same moment, screaming and crying. I immediately rushed upstairs to see if he was okay, only to realize that he too had woken from a nightmare. The next morning, I was about to cook some eggs when I had dropped one to the ground. At the very moment of impact, my little nephew fell from the bed hitting the floor just as the egg smashed open on the floor. Later that night, as I was lying in bed waiting for my fiancé to come and join me, I noticed that the mattress I was laying on started to sink in, as though someone were sitting there right next to me. I immediately and repeatedly screamed and called out for my fiancé, who was in the bathroom next to the bedroom. Even though the door was wide open, for some reason, he didn't hear me. It was my brother who came rushing to me after hearing my calls from upstairs. It was only after seeing my brother running towards the bedroom that my fiancé realized something was wrong. That night, I felt something was so wrong I could not go to sleep. The next morning is when everything seemed to come into place. I learned that a couple of relatives from the family had their apartment burned down. Living on the third floor, the father had jumped from the window to save his newborn son's life, breaking both of his legs in the process. After looking at pictures of the family from back then, I was given a shock. The late visitor that I had sitting on my bed was the father who passed away during the fire. Whoa, Taylor, that's a really, <laughs> that's a creepy story. Um, I actually got goosebumps that last little bit uh, reading it. That is some wild stuff. Woo. Um, <laughs> that, I don't really have any real comment for that other than that's just a really creepy story that you would have a dream where you experience pretty much what your family member had experienced and that you would see their ghost in your bedroom. That's all just very weird stuff. 
Um, I really appreciate you sending that story. That was that was a creep fest right there. I will say, Taylor, that there are a lot of instances where if tragedy happens inside of a house, um, the emotions involved with that tragedy are often imprinted onto that space and can filter into the emotions that you feel. And especially if you're a little bit sensitive, which you might be. Um, I know folks that who are empathic and can feel emotions in dealing with hauntings. And there are times where they are overwhelmed with sadness. And that is exactly what it sounds like you were experiencing there. Thank you very much, Taylor, for sending that. Our last story of the evening comes to us from Michael, and he has titled it Basement Demon. Okay, Michael, let's see what you sent us. When I was 12 years old, my family moved to Winnemucca, Nevada, so my mom could work at one of the gold mines there. We moved into a house right next to the courthouse on Malarkey Street. We lived there for close on to a year, and these are only some of the strange occurrences there. The whole house had an eerie feeling to it, but we just passed it off as if it was the house that was just really old. Amid the sounds of traffic and the neighbors fighting next door, the house was quiet, as if no one was there at all. My sister's room was the darkest of all. Even in the middle of the day, her room had the presence of an early evening darkness. I began to notice at nighttime the sound of footsteps through the house, going from the front door to the back. Oftentimes I was home alone, lying on the floor. I remember vividly several times distinctly having the feeling of being tripped over, yet no one would be there. Our basement was a whole other story. This is where our laundry was done. At nighttime, no one would enter the basement alone. I would only go maybe five or six steps down and become paralyzed with fear. I didn't know if I should turn and run or just stand there and face what I feared would be a pack of demons. I say demons because one such instance I went to change the laundry over and I heard a scratching sound coming from one of the corners. I turned to look thinking it was a mouse and saw the front half of a dark figure crawling across the floor. I ran upstairs screaming in terror. A few months later, I began to notice the paint on the walls was fading and a faint reddish color would appear under the white paint. I couldn't necessarily make out any words, but some symbols were there. The television also would turn on and off on its own. When it turned on, it would turn on at full volume and nothing but static. Not too unusual on the face of it, but at the time we had full cable and there was no possibility for a station to come in with nothing but static. The worst was what the house did to my family. My mom became mean and cruel, always angry and becoming increasingly violent. I myself would often plot to kill my sister and brother. When we finally moved out, all that was gone. Suddenly, we became a loving family once again. It was like it had never happened. 
as bizarre as it may sound, these encounters are true and still burn in my memory. I truly believe it would take a brave soul to enter that house. Wow, Michael, that is a really, really cool story. Uh, and I say cool simply because I didn't live through it. I have been in homes that have had demon infestations, and I can tell you that one of the surest signs of a negative entity is the fact that it does seem to turn the personalities of family members there. Sometimes it's just stress, and it could be that, but more often than not, you'll find that the very personalities of folks seem to make a transformation, and never for the better. Uh, and oftentimes that completely changes once you get out of that environment. Folks that were fighting with each other or threatening violence with each other suddenly become very loving and compassionate towards each other when they move out. And I'm not sure if that's a rubber band effect or what, but it's often the case. It does sound like you had some really bad things happening there, and uh, it's a good thing that you got out when you did. Um, as far as your basement goes, certainly it sounds like you had some activity there, but I would precaution folks that with basements especially, and I only say this because I used to do home repair on the side and as a mainline business, and I can tell you that oftentimes when you go down into basements, if you look, there are exposed wires there, and they do give off EMF fields. And EMF fields are known to create heightened senses of paranoia, uh, feeling like you're being watched, things like that. And that combined with the fact that most basement stairs are not really true and square, it gives you what they call a funhouse effect, where when you're walking down them, you feel off balance. So those things in combination are never comfortable to go through. So if you are doing an investigation or you feel like you have activity in your house, and especially if it's centered in basements or crawl spaces or even attics, check around for wiring because that's one of the first things doing an investigation that we tend to look for is exposed wiring. A lot of times you won't see it, and that's whenever you know you probably have something, but it's definitely a good thing to check beforehand. Now, that will not cause you to see uh, shadow beans or things crawling at you, which sounds like Michael had some definite activity there. Um, but at any rate, I am glad that you guys got out of that house. It does not sound like it was a good situation for anybody living there. And I do thank you, Michael, for sharing your story with us. Well, guys, that is going to do it for this week's episode of True Paranormal, the podcast. I would like to thank Eugenia and Falcone and Hilda and Taylor and Michael, everybody, for sending all of your stories in. You guys are absolute rock stars. And as always, if you would like to be a rock star and have your experience shared on our broadcast, simply email it to us at trueparanormalpodcast at gmail.com. That's trueparanormalpodcast at gmail.com. Also, check us out on Facebook at trueparanormal-thepodcast. And hit that like button and be sure to uh, send us a message or send us an email from that if you want to share your story with us through that format. Additionally, be sure to check out the videos and the articles that we have on our Facebook page. Uh, there's a lot of good information there. Also, if you are on Twitter, be sure to follow us on Twitter. We're trying to get on more and more platforms so that we have more access to you guys 
and so that you guys have more access to us. So we are now on Twitter. We're also on iTunes. So if you listen to us on iTunes, be sure to give us a rating and a review and subscribe and check out, again, a lot of our archived episodes there. In the meantime, this is Leo Rizzuti. This has been True Paranormal, the podcast. I would like to thank you guys for joining us this week and every week. And be sure to join us again next week for another episode of True Paranormal, the podcast. Thank you.